Welcome back to the Murdy Creative Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle and Murdy, and today's topic is the crypto gap. But first, I want to say thank you to everyone who supported the company so far. If you haven't got a chance, go check us out on the web at murdycreative.co. That's M-U-R-D-Y creative.co. Or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching at murdycreative.co to see the best of our product shots. Follow us, keep up to date with our daily photos, and be the first one to know about new product launches. You can also use the subscribe button at the bottom of our website to be included in all of our new product announcements. Be sure to check out our laser engraving, personalization options, and exclusive colors on the website, or you can blank one on Amazon Prime. All right, I know this has been a week of crypto, but I have been dealing with this, and it's been an interesting thing, and there's something else going on in the background that would make for a better topic, but I don't have a good answer for it yet, so I don't want to tell you too many details. All I can say is, I hate construction, and it's very dumb. I'll give you guys more details on that, hopefully, by uh, next week's podcast. But, uh, this week, I am talking about crypto because it has come up a couple of times and last episode was about the kind of the why of crypto and some of the details about what crypto really means for our economy in general but this is a problem that I knew was going to happen I didn't really think about it and frankly it's a problem that doesn't really affect just me it affects everybody and it's gap and no I didn't misspell that mom it's on purpose uh it, it is a play on words but cryptocurrency and GAAP, which stands for Generally Accepted Accounting Principles, is a topic that, as far as I could tell from my research, is completely unresolved at the moment. I'll give you some more details. I found this in a Forbes article called How Are Cryptocurrencies Classified in GAAP Financials? Um, And it was written uh, May 21st of 2020. So for all I know, perhaps something has come out since then, but this is the best I could find. And it is written by um, a a person who was contributing on this topic about the Financial Accounting Standards Boards is the IRS's, um, is the IRS of the accounting worlds, and they create the GAAP, the Generally Accepted Accounting Principles Rules. And currently, they don't have specific outlines for how to properly account for cryptocurrencies. And there's actually a really good reason why is they don't really lend themselves well currently to accounting. So in this article, and I will include the link, um, it, the issue is this, is that they can't really be, uh, okay, so I'll just read directly from it. Um, according to this white paper, crypto assets cannot be classified as cash or cash equivalents uh, because they're not backed by a sovereign government or considered legal tender. They cannot be classified as a financial instrument or a financial asset because they are not cash. See the above reasons why. And they do not represent a contractual right to receive cash or another financial instrument. Additionally, since cryptocurrencies are intangible, they do not clearly meet the definition of inventory and cannot be labeled as inventory on the balance sheet either. After going through the process of elimination, we are left with only one category to classify cryptocurrencies under, which is intangible asset with indefinite life. Now, um, practically speaking, this is not a good version of this. It's not a really a good treatment from an accounting perspective um, because they are liquid and they do work extremely similar to cash. And so that's the most similar things. And um, the issue with classifying something as an indefinite life intangible asset is that it can be tested for impairment, which means that if the value of a crypto asset has gone down at the end of the reporting period, the business gets to write off that amount as an impairment loss, not to be confused with a tax loss, on the income statement. However, if the value goes back up, 
the business does not get to mark up the value of the asset. This obviously presents a problem because if you have to if you have to mark down the value of an asset, but you can't mark that value back up if it goes back up, your books just look worse and worse and worse over time. Even though if that's not true. So this presents a unique problem because, as I've mentioned in the past, accounting is a is a tool that's designed to be helpful. It's designed to represent reality. It's designed to create an orderly way to understand what the company is doing technically. But cryptocurrency kind of defies that in a very interesting way. It is, as they pointed out, not cash. It's not backed by a sovereign government, so it doesn't necessarily have anything that backs its value. It could go to zero very easily. Now, it couldn't and it doesn't, but it does and it can. I mean, it's kind of a weird place that way. So what does that mean, I guess, from a, from a business perspective? And I got to talk with my accountant about this, and I, I have an odd feeling she's going to say exactly what I'm saying here, which is um, there's not a good answer. There's a couple of okay answers. There's things you can do, but there's not good answers. Now, the good news is this. I'm a small business. Small businesses can get around a lot of the gap problems, right? Things like this, uh, because we don't actually have to present financials to the public according to gap principles. For example, if you're a a C corporation, Apple, Tesla, all these companies that have to present like their quarterly reports to the general public, they have to follow gap principles, generally accepted accounting principles. They have to follow gap. Because that is the rules for how to appropriately account for your things. And, you know, that's good. We want that, right? We want the big companies to have to disclose their records in a consistent manner so that we can compare them apples to apples. Now, as a small business, I don't technically have to do that. And because I don't have any investors, I don't have to do with that. But what we're gonna, we, have to, we do have to come up with some method of accounting for these. I think the best we've got, the best I can come up with, and obviously I have to coordinate with my accountant to figure out if they agree with this, but is to say that we're going to treat our cryptocurrencies as assets, as intangible assets, I should say. Um, And we are going to mark them to their current market value in US dollars at the time that we do locked in books. Um, So we'll keep them, I think, on a day-to-day basis, we will keep them not written off in U.S. dollars per se, not as U.S. dollar equivalents. We will instead keep them written as their intentional currency, as their intended currency, and leave them in their intended currency. And then at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter, we will then create a snapshot on the PL and on the, uh, not on the PL, the balance sheet that will have a, at that time, at that moment, the current U.S. dollar valuation for the collective cur- cryptocurrency asset portfolio. I feel like that's probably the most reasonable way to do it. It definitely has its own issues and it's going to require a lot of manual labor, which I'm not looking forward to because I don't think there's a good way at the moment to integrate our payment wallet provider for our cryptocurrencies with our QuickBooks. I could be wrong. And from what they sent me in an email this morning, it seems like there's a way to do it with the APIs. Um, It just seems like it's a very convoluted and complicated way to do it with the APIs. So I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. But if we can, it'd be really neat because if we can figure out how to connect all of those tools in the back end, we can actually set it up so that it it tells us every moment of every day what the U.S. dollar equivalent of the cryptos in our wallets are at any given time. And if we did that, that might be a, a good option. Now, this obviously presents itself with a bigger problem and a more ethereal kind of theoretical hypothetical problem, which is how do you deal with this when dollars are no longer the primary currency of the the economy 
Now, I know many of you are going to balk at that and say, well, that's never going to happen. And the answer is, is it might not. Uh, but I think it might. I think there's a very real possibility that in the future, people will have dollars in their bank account. They might still have a credit card or a debit card um, for the purposes of accessing their dollars in their bank account. But most of their money, I think, is going to be done in a cryptocurrency of some sort. Now, whether that's all the same or whether that's a variety of cryptocurrencies, like what they have wallets with a bazillion different cryptocurrencies, um, I think that's, I think the second option where there's, you have a, a wallet that's run by a third party that has 15 different wallets. And whenever you need to buy something, um, you can pay for it in a variety of different cryptocurrency options. I think that's going to be popular. I don't exactly know how that's going to play out entirely, but I think that's what's going to end up happening. And then at that point, there's this interesting dilemma that happens because then if you as a business are taking payments in a cryptocurrency, and actually at that point, you're probably paying your vendors in that cryptocurrency. Then it becomes a question of, is, does it make sense for you to do your accounting in US dollars? Does it make sense for you to do your accounting in Bitcoin? Does it make your sense for you to do your accounting in PIVX, which is what I like, right? How does that change? And I guess it becomes, I don't know the answer to it. I don't know how it plays out. Right? Because it does make sense if you're going to do your accounting to do it in the currency that you're going to be using most frequently. And I don't think that's going to be dollars in the future. I genuinely don't. Not with the current monetary policy and not with the fact that I don't think the monetary policy is going to change anytime soon. I think the Federal Reserve has put themselves in a position where they're going to have to continuously print money until, I don't know, God comes. I don't think there's going to be just, I think, I think Jesus is going to be showing up on this earth before the Fed figures out that they got to stop printing money. Because the second they stop printing money, the economy collapses. And that's a reality. So. Functionally speaking, I don't know if U.S. dollars are going to be a safe bet for the next 20 years or 30 years. Definitely not for the next 50, but I don't know if it's going to be a safe bet much longer than 10 or 15. And at that point, something's going to have to take its place, and I don't think it's going to be one single coin. I think there's going to be a lot of coins that are all going to be good options for different reasons, the same way that there's a lot of different credit cards. You know, you've got Discover, you've got Visa, MasterCard, Amex. I mean, there's a lot of different providers, and frankly, a lot of them are more similar than they are different. But I think it's going to be that same way with crypto. I think you're going to have people who are going to take Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, maybe a couple of others, or maybe none of those three. Maybe, maybe all of those go away, right? Maybe as proof of work dies out and proof of stake becomes the way that things are actually done, which I think is more likely than not um, from the energy perspective of it all. As proof of stake becomes more popular and more prevalent, maybe that's what ends up creating the, the thing we see, which is that, you know, you see those be the coins that win. I don't know how it plays out, but what I can tell you is that this is presenting a very unique challenge for the accounting world, and I don't think anyone's got a good answer for it just yet. I could be wrong, though, so if you know of something that's a better way of doing it, I'm all ears. I genuinely don't have a good answer to this question, so I appreciate anyone's uh, perspective. All right, folks, thank you guys for tuning in uh, to this tuning in today. Be sure to check back in next week for the next topic, and don't forget to check that subscribe button below to be sure to get the latest podcast right away. Be sure to hit that notification bell as well. We normally do our podcast Tuesdays and Thursdays, but Making sure you hit that notification bell will let you know when things go live. So definitely check that out. If you have any questions or concerns about your leather binder, journal, folio, accessory, anything we sell, uh, please contact us on the main page of our website at murdycreative.co. You can also contact us via Instagram and Facebook. You can t call, text message, email, direct message, all the usuals. Uh, we'll do our best to get back to you as soon as possible. We do appreciate your patience. If you want to give us a phone call, our phone number is 414-434-9001. You can call or text that number from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. We are closed on federal holidays, so if it's, not, if it's a federal holiday during the week, we will be closed that day as well. 
Uh, once again, that's 414-434-9001 from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Fridays. If you think we deserve it, a good review can go a long way to help us grow our new community. Uh, word of mouth is the best form of advertising, so that's always something you need to do. But uh, if you want to leave us a review on the podcast app, just leave a review on whatever app you're listening on. If you want to leave us a review on the product, though, go to murdycreative.co slash reviews. Uh, you can read all of our amazing reviews there, and there's a button that says leave a good review. It'll take you directly to facebook.com slash murdycreative.co slash reviews. You can click, do you recommend the Murdy Creative Company? Click yes. Uh, you write your review there. We love them. We read them all. They make our days. There's another button on that page that says leave a bad review or get in contact with us. If you're going to leave a bad review, please reach out to us. It'll get you directly in contact with us. That allows us to fix the problem. I mean it. We really want to make things right. No matter what the problem is, we will do our best to fix it, whatever we can. Whether it's refund, replace, recraft, we'll do our best. So give us an opportunity first before you leave a bad review. Please, it makes the world of difference for us, and we will do our best. If you think uh, you want to share the work company, like I said, word of mouth, that's where advertising. Tell your friends and family about the podcast, but also if you want to tell your friends about the company, you can get a little something for doing that. Uh, go to the website, and then on the bottom left-hand corner, there's the rewards button. You click on that, you log in, and then I'll create a profile for you. If you're logged in, you make a purchase, you get 5% back on that purchase as in-store credit, and there's a shareable link there. That shareable link, if you share that with your friends and family, they get $5 on their first per off their first purchase, and you get $5 in-store credit when they make that purchase. So it's a great way to share the company. Helps us, helps them, helps you, so definitely do that. If you have any podcast topics you want to hear more about, send them my way. I am always happy to talk about just about anything I can, and coming up with topics is sometimes a problem. So if you're curious about something, let me know, and I'll be happy to help. Uh, if you want to, if you're looking for multiple binders, journals, folios, anything we sell for gifts, giveaways, menus, really any reason, you can either ask about our book discounts uh, if you want more details specifically, or you can just go and add them to your cart. Book discounts start at a minimum order quantity of five, and that is five things total. Um, so you can mix and match to your heart's desire. It's five of one thing or one of five things, and that discount just goes up as you add more. So if you're interested, definitely go add all of the things to your cart that you want and see what the book discount uh, shakes out to be. Otherwise, if you're interested in a kind of finding out what the discounts are, reach out to us, sales at murdycreative.co, and we can send you all of the details about that and work on figuring that out with you. Uh, if you're looking for a custom order, something with custom engraving, we have no minimum order quantities and no setup fees. You can get just one of something, and it's normally $15 for that engraving. It can go up a little bit depending on how big it is, but for the most part, it's almost always $15. And that $15 is pre-bulk discount. So if you're a company that you want to get a bunch of things with your logos on it, you can get your logo added, and then you, that $15 can go down quite a bit based off of that quantity that you order. To get a custom order, definitely send us an email, sales at sales, or sales at murdycreative.co, or you can check out under the specialty tab on our website, there's a bulk slash custom page that'll have more details, including lead times and other things like that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great day, and goodbye.